What is up, everybody? Welcome into episode two, 256 of Living Off the Land. I'm Dan, here with Steven. Steve, it's Wednesday night. You know what that means. It's time for LOTL, and this is actually more of a first normal-type episode we've done in quite a while, actually. So, uh, yeah, yeah uh, let's, let's get into it here. We were, uh, we were <clears throat> essentially live for the post-mortem of the uh, Cavalier season last week. Boo! Uh, obviously the Cavs are eliminated, so we have no Cavs games to talk about. We will talk about the NBA playoffs because I think there's just some fascinating developments. Uh, we'll talk about the other round one series that ended and we're now into the conference semifinals now and, uh, some interesting, uh, games last night and, uh, more to follow tonight. Um, we're also going to get into the week that was with the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, they are currently playing the rubber match of a three-game series in the Bronx against the Yankees. Uh, last I checked, the Guardians were up 2 nothing early, and that still stands to be the case as they enter the third inning. Uh, so we will talk about that. Uh, the Browns had a draft. Well, the NFL had the draft. The Browns kind of had one, although they didn't have a first or a second-round pick. Uh, we will get into uh, some of the Browns draft picks as well as we look towards uh, the essentially the dead period for the NFL, uh, which is basically between now and training camp. You know, the season ends and then you're looking towards the combine. Then the combine happens, then you're looking to the draft. Now the draft has happened. The NFL essentially, outside of some OTAs, the NFL essentially goes into hibernation until July. So uh, we will talk a little bit about the Browns draft. Um, but first, let's get everything started with the beer of the week. So uh, I have a beer here that we've had on the podcast before. And it was a beer that went over very well with my former co-host and I. This is a brewing company out of Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio, hmm. called Missing Mountain. And this is their Coattails Hazy <clears throat> IPA. Coattails is a hazy IPA packed with packed to the brim with Chinook and Iowa. Iowa. Boy, I've had a day, man. Idaho Gem Hops. This beer delivers waves of citrus fruit to your palate by the way of fluffy mouthfeel. And transitions to a dry finish to ensure it drinks enjoyably. You're only about 1,200 miles off. <laughs> I've had a day, man. Haven't we all? Oh, gosh. Um, brewed in Cuyahoga Falls, as I said, Missing Mountain. This uh, beer, Coattails, their hazy IPA, is 6.5% uh, ABV. Has a uh, cowboy... Uh, on the can, riding a pig. Definitely ain't no cowboys in Iowa. <laughs> Are you sure about that? Well, I don't know. Well, there's pigs, but nah, I don't know. Uh, so anyway. like a cowboy filled state. Idaho, though, yes. I will say, uh, Missing Mountain 
is one of the nicest breweries that you're going to find anywhere. The outdoor patio that they have is absolutely spectacular. I can only imagine it probably just overlooks the river and yes. from a pretty high terrace probably, yep. which is awesome. Absolutely. Yep. And uh, Coattails, uh, Coattails on Untapped has a 3.9 rating. And uh, let's see, on Beer Advocate, it gets a 4.0. And it uh, doesn't have a lot of reviews. Uh, but but I will tell you what, if, if you like hazy IPAs, you're really going to like Coattails. Uh, really good, really good taste. And uh, I really enjoy it. So this is what I'm going to be enjoying tonight as we go through the podcast. And that, oh, I didn't rate it. No. I'm going to go 7.2. 7. 7.2. 7.2. 7.2. So that is the beer of the week, Coattails Hazy IPA from Missing Mountain. Well, hazy is a good way to describe things. Um, it's middle of the week. It is a week in which I don't think we've seen the sun since Sunday. Uh, it's been absolutely frightful outside lately. I've got my gray suit on, honestly. It's I just came May! directly from work. You're wearing gray, too. May! Um and we're going to go to a neighborhood, perhaps appropriately enough. It was is... snowing last night. Yeah. Oh. Didn't, I mean, it wasn't as impressive as the spring snow I was forecasting a few weeks ago, but yeah. it nevertheless happened. Snow has now fallen in Cleveland for the fourth year in a row in the month of May. Um, yeah, our springs just kind of stink. Lake Erie is largely to blame for this, but I can't even blame Lake Erie this time because – if you look down across the whole state, even down in Cincinnati, it's like 47 degrees right now. Like they've, they've got to be freezing their butts off even more than we are. So, um, yeah, not much to do about it. But the good news is, is that once we get to the weekend, it's going to be a hell of a lot nicer. Great. So we're Great. almost there. We're Ugh. almost to the end of the tunnel. But as it is, it's very gray. And we're going to go to a city that kind of embodies that kind of just general Drab, I don't want to say drab, but you know, general like hazy grayness um, in terms of its situation and where it's where it's been actually historically. It's almost a good comparison too. Um, and it's interesting that the beer we did tonight was uh, is from Cuyahoga Falls, and one of the points of interest in this neighborhood it actually has a tie into that. And I'll get to that in a second. Um, I originally wanted to do this neighborhood two episodes ago with uh, episode 254 because Route 254 actually begins. The western terminus of Route 254 is in ah. this city. But we uh, were on Cavs duty each of the last two weeks, so it got pushed to 256. But I am talking about the city of Lorraine. Ah, Lorraine. Yes. Lorraine is a post-industrial town on Lake Erie at the mouth of the Black River in Lorraine County, which is where it's named, obviously. Uh, Lorraine is a, in comparison with some of the cities we've done in recent weeks and months, you know, we've been talking about some of the, you know, top of the top suburbs. This, this is different. Lorraine is a decidedly working class to almost lower class town. Uh, it is in terms of home price average, it's about 120,000 according to Zillow. That's by far the lowest we've done in quite some time. And I'm not going to lie, part of the the main situation with this city is that it was a major shipbuilding and steel town for a very, very long time. Republic mm. Steel and 
U.S. Steel had major operations there for a very long time. You, if you've ever driven down Route 57 uh, coming up north from Elyria, you actually it just kind of rises up as you're coming toward it. It's completely unmissable. And unfortunately, in 2016, Republic Steel idled their operation in Lorraine, and in 2020, U.S. Steel uh, followed suit. That was largely due to the coronavirus, but that was already something that was probably in the works going forward. So this town has kind of uh, struggled to really find an identity kind of post this, unlike a lot of other areas in Cleveland where you see a lot of advancement in areas like healthcare. You've seen the, the tech sector uh, start to grow here a little bit, um, and there's been other opportunity, but uh, really hasn't, hasn't hit Lorraine very much, unfortunately. If you look at the geography of it, uh, pretty much from I-90 or a little bit north of I-90, and to the you know the eastern border kind of jogs a bit you're talking uh along route 57 and then going across the black river over jumping over to uh root road is most of the eastern boundary the northern boundary of course is lake erie and then the west boundary is pretty much right along Baumhart road uh, if you go down back down toward i-90 actually if i mentioned Baumhart road that was another major uh, employer of yesteryear. There was a Ford plant actually in Lorraine that was right along Baumhart Road. In fact, that's the main reason that on the Ohio Turnpike there is an exit at Baumhart Road. Hmm. There's really not a town around there. Like the closest town is Vermilion, but it's and and then there's Wakeman, but they're both like six, seven miles away. There would otherwise be no reason to even have an exit at that at mile mark 135 on the Ohio Turnpike, but they did that just because there was so much truck traffic coming in and out of that facility. Yeah. Now it just doesn't exist anymore, so it's it's kind of a shame. But um, be that as it may, Lorraine actually has a very vibrant Hispanic community, one of the top Hispanic communities in Northeast Ohio, probably the biggest outside of the Clark Fulton neighborhood in Cleveland. So if you are into a lot of uh, ethnic-type food, stuff like Mexican, Honduran, uh, Panamanian, uh, and then some of the Caribbean islands. Uh, there's quite a few good local establishments to go see. Uh, in Lorraine, most of these are on either the near southeast or near south side of town. These are um, La Casa del Malfango is one of those. That is at the corner of West 17th and Long Avenue. That's a pretty highly rated spot to, to check out. Also, as you well, actually, I'll just go a little bit geographically. If you go into the downtown area, just on the east side of the Black River, one of the you got two really highly rated places to check out. One is the Erie Steak, Steak, the Erie Steak and Seafood Company, that is right along Lakeside Avenue, literally right along the lake. And you were just talking about our um, brewery earlier on uh, along the, the Cuyahoga River in Cuyahoga Falls. Mm -hmm. This is you know you're literally <coughs> like. You're in the restaurant, and you're, like, with stones throw away from the lake, literally. And, and when the weather's nice, nicer than this week, you Ugh. can actually sit outside on the yes. – right on the dock. Great patio. You know? Missing mountain. Just fantastic. Mm. So that is – oddly enough, they're only rated 4.0 star on Google. I have to think that's because this is, like – the closest thing to fine dining you're going to see in Lorraine, and I feel like there's a bunch of people weighing down the overall average with one-star reviews. I, I, I just don't get why people do that, but you know, it's, it is, it is what it is. Uh, and then a little farther down in the shipyards neighborhood, this, 
this is literally a converted area that used to be where the main shipyard it was in Lorraine. That's now taken up by housing largely, but there is a business, a microbrewery that's actually called the Shipyards, which is just off of Sunset Avenue on the east end of the Black River. And Shipyards is rated 4.2 star rated on Google. This is where you get your typical pub food, you know, wings, burgers, uh, locally made beers, uh, stuff like that. Um, definitely a place to check out. That's actually one of the, the better neighborhoods in Lorraine, I must say. And then just across the river uh, is the Lorraine Palace Theater. That's a, just a little local theater that uh, local production companies not to utilize. Not to stop you, the, the Shipyards is also a, uh, an event center, event hall. Oh, is that right? Yeah. I didn't uh, know that. Ryan and Jen got married there. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Great, great facility. Great, uh, great space. Um, great spot for a wedding. I don't know. How I forgot about that. Yeah, their wedding was there. Well, I'll never forget about it because that's where I, where that's where I, uh, blew out a tire and had to change a flat in a suit at eleven thirty on the side of uh, I don't even know what road that. I don't even remember what road that. Probably was. Route fifty seven. Yeah, probably. <laughs> On the side of the road in a suit at 11.30 at night. Oh, goodness yeah. gracious. 45 minutes away from home. Oh, man. At least it was July. It wasn't cold. <laughs> it was October. Oh, what am I talking about? Boy, Gee, both what? of us. Boy, I have no, what well, planet are we on? Right uh, oh, man, I, I worked 11 hours today, so this is, this is just <laughs> too much. But anyway, where what I was getting to was um, just across the river course from Shipyards was right, Lorraine right. Palace Theater. And then also right next to there is Black River Landing, which... If I tie back to Cuyahoga Falls, one of the longest-running concert series in Ohio, Rockin' on the River, was hosted in Cuyahoga Falls for about two decades before they ended up packing up and moving to Lorraine. And that's where they do it, right at Black River Landing, which is this park area pretty much right on the west side of the Black River uh, near where Route 57 meets U.S. Route 6. So that's pretty much the the downtown area. And you can actually see out to the lighthouse – and to the Hot Waters Fishing Pier, which is um, just across route, uh, U.S. Route 6 from there. Uh, so you have a pretty good view of everything uh, from Black River Landing. It's actually a really great uh, spot to have outdoor events. Mm-hmm. If you get a little bit further to the west, that's where Lakeview Beach is. Lakeview Beach is you know, not a large beach, but it's you know, suitable for, for the community that it serves. Uh, that is about eh, about four blocks to the west of downtown along Lake Erie, and then just across the route U.S. Route Six from there, Lake Road is the Lakeview Park. That's one of the main uh, parks nearest to downtown Lorraine. Hmm. If you get out further to the west side of town, that's where you hit a few other places of interest. The Lorraine Skate World is right off of Lake, uh, Route Six. The Fox Creek Golf and Racquet Club is uh, just off of Colbay Road, just south of. Uh, Route 6. If there is a more bougie section of Lorraine, it is that far western section. Once you get to the certainly west of Levitt Road and then definitely west of Colbay Road, that's where you have a lot of your uh, newer housing going up uh, on that far west end of Lorraine. Once you start getting closer toward Amherst and uh, the Vermilion area. That, for the most part, is pretty much going to cover it. Again, a lot of cities in, in Northeast Ohio have been able to transition out of the post-industrial period a lot better than Lorraine has. I don't really have a great 
Yeah, and Lorain County, if I expand it outward a little bit, is kind of fascinating. You have some cities like Avon and North Ridgeville that are absolutely growing fast, thriving, whereas the more historical population centers of the county, uh, Lorain and Elyria, have just really been struggling for a long time. Lorain, clearly, you know, they had all their chips in the in the steel and car-making basket, and that went bust. Elyria, I'm not even really so much sure as to why the, the residential neighborhoods are bad. You actually have some fairly major employers there, uh, places like Elyria Foundry and Invacare and Rigid, and, and Bendix is still kind of there, even though they build a new facility in Avon. So that is something we'll probably have to cover on a future episode. But, uh, you know, that's Lorraine, and you can wham that with the right hand. All right. Feels good to get back into a little bit of a normal rhythm there. Um, so <clears throat> I want to start uh, tonight's sports talk uh, with the draft. Okay. Cleveland Browns did not have a first-round pick. They did not have a second-round pick. They had a third-round pick. Which was interesting about the Browns is uh, on Thursday night, the Browns posted a short five-second video of Deshaun Watson putting on a draft cap, basically insinuating that uh, Deshaun Watson is our first-round pick. Which I get, but he was also your first-round pick last year, and he's going to be your first-round pick next year. So we'll get into Deshaun Watson a little bit later in the year as we get closer to the season. Friday, uh, Friday was the second and the third round. Browns had no picks in the second round. They had a pick in the third round. They posted a picture of essentially the same video, except it was Elijah Moore putting on the draft hat, insinuating that Elijah Moore was the Browns' second-round pick this year, which... He, in fact, was because the Browns did give up this year's second-round pick for Elijah Moore. So, essentially, your draft is Deshaun Watson, Elijah Moore, and then we get to the third-round pick, pick number 74. Now, there was there was talk of the Browns maybe trading up to kind of get a guy that maybe they targeted. They elected not to. There was also talk that the Browns might trade down to acquire more picks in a projected-to-be-better draft next year than this year. They did not do that either. They stayed put at 74, and they took wide receiver Cedric Tillman out of the University of Tennessee. Cedric Tillman, six foot three, around 200 pounds, battled, in, battled an ankle injury throughout most of 2022 at Tennessee. Um... He, after the year previous, he was projected to be higher than a third-round pick. But injury, obviously, will do that to somebody. Um, so he's not a can't-miss prospect. But I think the Browns got some value there with the draft pick. Uh, and it's it's good too because they they're drafting third round. So in my opinion, if you're drafting in the third round, you're not looking to draft somebody that's going to come in immediately right away and be a major contributor. So the Browns want wide receiver. The Browns already have Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore, Donovan Peoples Jones, and take your pick on some other guys. So 
Cedric Tillman is not going to come in here and be expected to light the NFL on fire. I like this pick because he really gives the Browns a skill set that they don't have currently, which is a big, tall receiver with a big catch radius. You think of him being a potential weapon in the red zone. That That's kind of where I, I, I feel like as a third-round receiver in a position group where there are established guys ahead of you, you kind of need to uh, carve out a niche for yourself. What's one thing that you can do really well and help the team? And for me, for a receiver that's that tall, has that big of a catch radius, if I'm him, I'm focused on red zone, red zone, red zone. That's what I'm focused on for him. Uh, what did you think of going receiver with our first pick? Uh, I didn't dislike the move. I, I think it's it's a position that definitely needed to be addressed, uh, among other things. You know, the Browns didn't, again, they were not in a great position, missing a first-round pick, missing a second-round pick. So I think it, at some point you're trying to draft – on value and trying to draft on potential yeah. uh, once you get beyond round two. Yeah. I mean, so I, I'll, I don't dislike the move. I'll say this. I, if the Browns, I, I don't think the Browns would have gone receiver in the first round if they had a first round pick. No way. Well, I mean that and the fact that the wide receiver class this year just doesn't have a lot, didn't have a lot of depth. I mean, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, I think was the first receiver taken. And he was in the twenties, I think, or something like that. That's pretty rare. I mean, if usually, you usually you have multiple receivers going in the top ten. I remember the the year Santonio Holmes came out; he was the first receiver at like twenty five. But yeah. that's 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 pretty rare. Very rare. I thought the uh, figures Pittsburgh took him. Yeah. Um, I thought it was very interesting that. You had a guy like Will Levis, who everybody had skyrocketing up the board the days before the draft, didn't even go in the first round. Just goes to show you how BS that all was. Yeah, absolutely. The posturing by these teams. I mean, everybody was trying to say that the Houston Texans were not going to take a quarterback at number two. I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> Who's their quarterback now? Davis Mills? Davis Mills. And they're drafting second. You don't think they're going to go quarterback? I mean, I should have thrown a few bucks on on Texans going quarterback because all the all the smoke screens had the had the odds on the sports books going way down or up or whatever, however you say it. The odds going the odd the odds were getting longer that they were going to go quarterback, and I, all along I knew they're going to take C.J. Stroud. I absolutely knew. I mean, that. did they think that Charles Casterly was still the GM? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Charlie. This, this goes back to when he took Mario Williams over. Vince Young and Matt Leiner, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. I mean that didn't end up. I mean, all that three, wasn't that wasn't three, a bad decision. All three end. of those guys stunk. So, I had Vince Young had a couple good years, but he didn't have any sort of longevity. He was out of the league. Um, but anyway, uh, the Browns then, uh, they I believe they had. Where did they take their? Where was their second pick? Let's see. Apologies uh, for the delay here. 
So they took th- – oh, that's right. They had two third-round picks because they got a compensatory pick. Um, so they took uh, Siaki Ika, defensive tackle from Baylor. And I'll tell you what, Steve, I know you probably weren't really plugged into the draft. Think this that's guy, an understatement. I really wasn't either, but I at least like saw the names. This guy, think of Danny Shelton. Just a big, giant, block-eating run stuffer. That's all he's going to do, and that's all they're going to ask him to do. Just that's good. Block, yeah. That. Just, Everybody, just stuff every, the middle every of the Every team D-line. needs that. Yeah, so uh, that that is interesting. Uh, then they took an absolute mammoth of a man in the fourth round. Six foot eight, 360-pound offensive tackle, DeWand Jones out of Ohio State. Now, the, there's some interesting things coming out today about this guy. So the, Yeah, that's what I was just going to ask. If he's 6'8", 360, and he's an offensive lineman, and he's from Ohio State, why do he end up in the fourth round? So, uh, supposedly, he grew up playing basketball, and there are there were questions raised about him I believe at the combine, this all came out today, and I was reading it before we, uh, before we recorded. He uh, told teams that basketball was his first love, and that growing up he wanted to be in the NBA. There were teams that took that as he doesn't really love the game of football, and they don't know how motivated he's going to be to be his best self in the NFL. Hmm. There are rumors that from the from the Senior Bowl uh, to the draft, he put on even more weight. So teams are not convinced that he's motivated to get into the best shape possible. Um, so I don't know. I, I guess th- those would be some of the contributing factors to why he fell to the to the fourth round. I think a lot of people were were talking about him as a second round prospect on talent. Um, so, you know, if, if Bill Callahan and the Browns can, can work their magic, uh, they could have a diamond in the rough there. Um, he's looked at as the heir apparent to Jack Conklin at right tackle. Um, supposedly he's more suited to play right tackle than left tackle. I don't know what goes into that, but Hey, I mean, if he pans out, I mean, six, eight, 200, 360 pounds. Good Lord. You know, how many people can honestly say that they are doing exactly the job that they always dreamed of doing? Right. I mean, there's there's not too many of them out there, no. honestly. And yet w- most of us are professionals and we go about our business. I mean, I, I don't think just because he loved basketball doesn't mean that he can't be really good at football and at least do a professional job. Now, the fact that he has put, up, put on so much weight in the offseason, that does, to me, that does uh, raise legitimate concerns. But... He hasn't even played it down in the NFL yet. We 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 got to see it. Yeah, you know, I it, it's so difficult, and this is why I, I can't get into the draft very easily because you just you know I it's always so fascinating to me when they come out with the draft grades right after the draft. It's like how yeah. do you how do you do draft grades? I don't know until like two or three years later. Like I I just don't get it. It's it's kind of too. It's not quite as convoluted as well. Actually, maybe it's more convoluted than the recruiting rankings in college, yeah. which I which I don't pay attention to either, but 
generally speaking, the teams that do the best at that are the top programs. So I guess there must be some validity to it. But yeah, it's so difficult to project draft classes before you see the guys on the field. It's almost impossible. So agreed. Um, round four, the Browns. Uh, Browns had a second, second, fourth round pick. They took uh, edge rusher Isaiah McGuire from Missouri. Round five, the Browns actually selected a quarterback, Dorian Thompson Robinson from UCLA. That was interesting. He's obviously a developmental uh, piece that will probably end up finding himself on the practice squad this year, but you never know. Uh, they took cornerback out of Northwestern, Cameron Mitchell, in round five, their second. So the Browns had two threes, two fours, two fives. And then their final pick, round six, uh, a center out of Ohio State. So the Browns took two offensive linemen from Ohio State, Luke Whipler. And then the Browns had a seventh-round pick, but they decided, eh, we're done. So they traded it uh, away. So those are your draft picks for your Cleveland Browns in 2023. Now, obviously, for me, I'm not really counting on a single one of these guys. None of these guys should be starting. Uh, none of these guys should really contribute. I mean, Cedric Tillman, maybe. Again, find your niche, carve it out, specialize. And for me, for him, that's red zone. Um, and maybe being a sure-handed guy on third down. Um, but, again, and we'll get into this later in the summer as we get closer to Brown season, uh, it's all about Sean Watson for the Browns. That basically is what it comes down to. And, again, that's not – I'm not, I'm not you know, uh, splicing the atom here. I mean – if you're an NFL team, your season is basically going to come down to how your quarterback plays. To so, a large extent, yes. So, but the people, the teams that have established guys who have been in their system and have shown success and, uh, you know, haven't had the off-the-field stuff which contributed to not playing on the field. And, you know, those teams can feel more sure about where they're at with the quarterback. The Browns... Even though Deshaun Watson has shown the talent to be a top-tier quarterback in the NFL, fact of the matter is we haven't seen it in a while. So, And that's because, A, he hasn't played, and then for the last six games of the year last year, he didn't play all that well. So we'll have to, we'll have to wait and see uh, about, uh, about the Browns this year. One, another interesting note, so the Browns are playing in the Hall of Fame game this year which means they're playing an extra preseason game, which also means they are they have an extra week Opening of training, training camp. camp early. The Browns will be spending a week in Greenbrier, West Virginia, for training camp. Hmm. This is not something uncommon. NFL teams have stayed at this resort for portions of training camp before. In fact, Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans did it, uh, I believe, in 2019. I think so. Deshaun Watson's actually been there before. Um, but the Browns having the extra week, Coach Kevin Stefanski has has stated he wants to get the team away uh, from everything, get them on a little bit of a, a team-building uh, trip. And the Browns will spend their first week, which is the extra week, uh, at a resort in West Virginia. That's kind of a, that's kind of a, a weird thing to say, a resort in West Virginia. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, so I, I, I think that's interesting. Uh, what's also interesting is that's not going to be the only time that the Browns are leaving Cleveland for training camp this year. They have 
uh, intra-squad practices before, I believe it's their third preseason game in Philadelphia with the Eagles. Mm, they're going to Bethlehem. So the Browns will have joint practices with the Eagles this year. Mm. So that is all coming up as we get into the summer, as we talk more about the Browns then. But just wanted to go through the Browns draft picks real quick, kind of give a little synopsis. And, uh, um, yeah, so that's the that's the NFL draft. So uh, let's talk about the week that was with the Cleveland Guardians. Yeah, as going we were talking along with about the, the yeah, general just, theme of the show here, uh, just kind of not great, melancholy kind of play for, <laughs> for the Guardians. Uh, they haven't won a series since mid-April. Um, yeah. <laughs> At any rate, the over the past week, the Guardians. Well, to be fair. They're playing the traditional Leviathans of the AL East right now. They uh, on Friday they opened the series in Boston. They actually won that game five to two, but were then beaten eight to seven on Saturday, and then were crushed by the Red Sox seven one on Sunday hmm. uh, to close out the month of April. And then, well, thankfully they're not home right now because they probably wouldn't have been able to play a home game this whole week so far. Uh, Monday night they opened the series in New York against the Yankees. They won that game three two. Then lost 4-2 yesterday before right now. It is still 2-0, as you mentioned earlier. So if the Guardians win this game tonight, that would be their first series win. In a while. Since they... I think like eight series in a row, seven or eight. Yeah, since they took the two of three against the Nationals, Mm. April 14th through the 16th. Interesting that they're having to go to the East Coast to win series. That's not exactly what you would have expected. Right. But uh, especially considering that they played some teams like Detroit and Miami during this stretch that you would have expected the Guardians to eat up on, and they didn't. Yeah. So I th- those are the types of series that, I mean, it's April, it's early, but you hope that you're not chasing somebody in the division or for a wild card down the stretch, and you're like, man, if we wouldn't have lost two or three to friggin' Miami or Detroit. Right. You know, those those are results that really hurt you. And then they lost 2-3 or to Colorado also right after that, which, I mean, I don't know if Colorado was better than they were a year ago, but, I mean, they were not a good team a year ago. So, in fact, they're 10-20 and right now. So the answer is no, they're not. (laughs) So (laughs) the Marlins could legitimately be. They're 16-14, and so they're doing much better than they were a year ago at this point. But uh, still... To kind of underlie the point here, every team in the AL East is above 500 right now. That's crazy. And the Yankees and the Red Sox at 16 and 15 and 17 and 14 are actually in last and second last. Huh. The Whoop. Rays, of course, started off winning like 15 games in a row to start the season. Yeah. Uh, are 24 and 6, and then the Orioles are 20 and 9. Go figure that. The Orioles are unreal. You the know way they've started. So, but, but this, the, I mean, I mean, the Rays, I think, have staying power. They've proven it. The Orioles, uh, we'll see. Beware of teams that start hot in April. Is what I'll say about Major League Baseball, and I know from experience because the Guardians are bad almost every April and end up winning ninety games every year. Yeah, I mean, that's the that's the counter-argument here, that you really shouldn't be too worried about this, that the Guardians traditionally are slow starters, um, and that they usually do great from All-Star break on, especially from August 1st on. Yeah. And, you know, 
they're in a division where they can legitimately have that formula and be successful. Right now, Minnesota, who led the division for much of the early part of the season last year, they're in that position again at 17 and 13. The Guardians are just three games out. By comparison, the Yankees, who actually have a game and a half better record than the Guardians right now, are eight and a half games out in the AL East. Yeah, they're in last. So, you know, it. The or they, problems, were, they were in last going into yesterday. Yeah, the us. problems are a little more immediate for them. Yeah. Uh, but but one thing that is really quite something, and this, this was the case last year too, it's only barely more than a month into the season, and you can see the hugely wide gulfs between the haves and the have-nots in MLB. I mentioned the Rays at 24-6. and six. The... Oakland A's, soon to be Las Vegas A's. Uh, that team might not win forty games this year. Are the antithesis of that? They are six and twenty-four. And oh, by the way, the Kansas what's, City Royals are only a game ahead. What's of the that. record for the worst record in baseball? Oh boy, it was like what forty-two and one twenty or something like that. Was it really that bad? It was. It was what the, the I kind of want to put. Mo- I think one year. I kind of want to put money on the A's to set the record for the worst uh, record in Major League Baseball. Oh, history. I wonder what odds you could get on that. That right? I mean. So let's see here. To to equal that, they would have to go thirty six and ninety six the rest of the way. Whew. I mean, that's God. That's losing almost three quarters of your games for the whole season. I mean, is it possible? Yeah, I guess it is. But I mean, I wouldn't be willing to put money on that. Yeah, maybe, but a, little, maybe a little pizza money. Maybe the Kansas City Royals might have a shot at that too. They're seven and twenty three. Yeah, you know, really and bad too. And not to be outdone, the Chicago White Sox nine and twenty one. Boy, this might not be the best year for baseball. Have gone away from the unbalanced schedule. Yeah, I know. For the Guardians, you know, I like it because it means you get to play more teams and you don't have as many, you know, boring games against playing the same teams over and over. But from a competitive standpoint, yeah. this was well, probably hey, not the best thing for the Guardians. Who doesn't love going sixteen and two against the Tigers? Right. Well, we've, we, it only took us one series to lose two games against the Tigers this year. We only lose two games the Ugh. whole season against them some years. Yep. Yeah. So um, the Tigers are eleven and seventeen, by the way. So they're not exactly setting the world on fire either. Bottom line: the AL Central stinks. <laughs> <laughs> and you know this will probably play out like the same movie that it was last year, where the Twins had the lead for like the first four months, and then like you know just yeah. like the the runner who's been sitting back watching the pack going into the final lap of a mile. It just takes off with 400 meters to go and just goes pew by everybody on, on the back straight away. Yep. You know, that's just that's how it's probably going to go. What's but. interesting to me is just how bad we've been at home this year so far. We're 4-8 and eight at home. That's awful. Ten I'm and, sure that's not going to last, but that's, that's bad. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's... You, you got to keep. You got to keep in mind. I mean, I mean, look at Houston is sixteen and fifteen. Do we really think that they're going to be a five hundred team? No, no. they're going to end up probably with ninety five wins. Um, hopefully not. Hopefully, well, you'll end up I mean, about yeah. five hundred because true. I, nobody likes them unless you're an Astros fan, in which case you're just an ass. <laughs> hey oh. <laughs> oh, but yeah. So anyway, that. Was that is the week that was with the Cleveland Guardians? Yeah, expect a lot more segments like that over the next couple of months. I think. Oh God, yeah, we're gonna be talking a lot of baseball. Yeah, well, not uh, necessarily. I mean, who knows? I mean, maybe the Guardians will surprise us and they'll get on a winning streak at some point here. But 
the oh yeah, just being pissy about know. baseball. I figure you know <laughs> we'll still be like July and there'll be like five hundred and then people will be calling in the talk radio and be like, what's wrong with the Guardians? How come the Guardians aren't winning? And they're then all, they're and already all of a sudden, doing that. you know, we'll get to September. We'll be like, oh my God, where did this team come from? Yeah, like, I know. Where have you been the last ten years, guys? <laughs> this is their formula. This is their for- start. Start slow when baseball fans are still asleep because it's cold, it's wet, and it's rainy. And then, uh, you know, the bats get hot when the sun comes out and it gets humid. You know, I, it's funny you mentioned the weather because it was during the stretch when it was warm out that the Guardians did win their last series. And <laughs> honest to God, since, since the weather has kind of gone bad in, you know, about 20th of April or so, the Guardians have been terrible. Yeah. So if they win this series tonight, then it'll be fooey the mother nature. I'm surprised that they've gotten this whole series in in New York. I mean, you can't right. figure their weather's been too much different than here. Yeah. They must they must be getting kind of lucky. Oh, <laughs> well, what do you know? Uh I have a bet on the Celtics Philly game that inv- that involves guys scoring a lots of, lots of points and the score is 14 to 10 with 4 minutes left in the first quarter. Ah, they're locking them up defensively. Go figure. Anyway. Um yeah, so, so speaking of basketball, nice little transition there. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not really going to talk much about the Cavaliers because uh, they stink and they're out. But uh, do you want to talk about dead off-season talk? Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Kobe Altman, uh, to the surprise of no one, was lauding the team during his uh, end of the year press conference. Oh, they won. We won fifty-one games, and we we have a lot of young talent and. Stop. Just stop. 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 Did Brad Doherty write him that script? Hello. Yeah. Brad wow. Yeah, Brad Doherty with like three minutes left down by twelve saying we got the we got the we got the Knicks right where we want them. <laughs> In game five. <laughs> like, come on, Brad. Not you know, even Tim Duncan thinks that. No, oh, no, never mind. <laughs> I was gonna go there. But oh, jeez, you can't go there. Do, you don't want to do that name drop. No, no, no. Maybe maybe ten, fifteen years ago, but uh, <laughs> somebody sound the fish alarm. <laughs> no. That's a Jim Rome show reference. Oh and man, the fish. The alarm. number two biggest office faux pas is microwaving fish in the community microwave. You just oh, don't do God. it. Thank folks. God that doesn't happen at my work because I my office is right next to one of the lunchrooms. And and the microwave is in direct sight of the open door that leads to uh the office area where my office door is. Oof. God, could you imagine? We did it we did uh we did uh <laughs> we did uh we did one day have somebody uh try and microwave a uh their coffee in a plastic mug that lit on fire in the microwave. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Talk about one of the worst smells, burnt coffee and melting plastic. Oh no. Terrible. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. Oh gosh. Anyway, I digress. Uh, the NBA playoffs. Playoffs. Yeah. We are into the second round of the playoffs, the conference semifinals. The Miami Heat, the eight seed, stealing game one in New York against the five seed Knicks. That was pretty interesting. I, 
I actually think that the Heat are going to win this series. Yeah, I think an eight seed is going to the conference finals. That uh, would be the first time since, what, 1998 that that happened? The Knicks did yeah, it, Yeah, the right? Knicks in 1998. Yeah. I'm Camby, damn it. Yeah. Um, so they steal game one. Jimmy Butler rolls his ankle, does not play in game two. The the, the Heat still almost win last night, game two. Yeah. Uh, the Knicks were able to pull away late, and uh, they tied the series going back down to Miami. Uh, for Miami's sake, hopefully Jimmy Butler is back for game three. Uh, the other semifinal series was the chalk one, the one that we thought, and the one that we probably think is going to produce the Eastern Conference champion. That is the Celtics and the Sixers. This game one was wild. You go on game one in Boston. <laughs> the night after that building just saw maybe the biggest collapse in NHL history where the Essentially, NHL's version of the 2016 Golden State Warriors lost in the first round at home in a Game 7 in overtime, giving up the game-tying goal with a minute left in the third period and then losing in overtime. World's smallest violin for Boston. Oh, yeah. By the way, there, there, are, there are prominent Boston fans like Feidelberg from Barstool Sports who, who, who keep saying, nobody knows heartbreak like Boston sports fans. What, are you kidding? Get the hell out of here. How many freaking championships do you have to win? Like They've uh, won 10 titles in the last two decades. 10. Six in football. I don't want to hear anything about heartbreak. So let's see here. That would be three in... No, that's probably more than 10 because that six in foot... Wait. <clears throat> So, Hockey's yeah, one one. Six in football. Hockey one one two thousand ten. Uh same eleven with, with basketball. Eleven. Um three for the Sel- uh the Red Sox. Yeah, you had three for Boston for the Red Sox, two thousand four, two thousand seven, two thousand eleven and two thousand thirteen and two thousand eighteen. Also so, four. Wait. I don't know how far back you're four. going here. I'm going two decades. I'm going two well, decades. Yeah, so two thousand two, that'd be five, I believe. Oh four, oh seven, eleven oh no, no, not eleven. Oh four, oh seven, thirteen, and eighteen. Yes. Yeah. So they so they have uh, eleven titles in the last twenty years. Sick. Well, twenty one years, I think. We could never possibly get that jaded in Cleveland, could we? No. Now way. listen, have has Boston had some pretty remarkable choke jobs? Like, how about the undefeated Patriots losing in the Super Bowl? That was pretty bad. Uh, last night the Bruins, horrific. Yeah. Uh, how about Aaron bleeping Boone for uh against the Red Sox? Don't know that that was a series they were necessarily supposed to win, but yeah, it was Game Seven. Weren't they so. up three nothing in that series? No. Oh no, that was the other way around. Yeah. Still though, I mean, you give up you give up a grand slam in Game Seven of the World of the, of the ALCS. ALCS. That was that was the year the before Boston had the three. That's comeback. right. That's right. That's right. So yeah, even that. I mean, that led to a World Series, but they came they came back from 3-0 against their arch rival to beat them to go to the World Series the next year. I'm sorry, get the hell out of here with this nonsense. Oh, nobody knows heartbreak. How about you get your freaking football team taken away from you? Yeah. Tell me about heartache. Lose a game seven in the World Series when you were winning and, and you lose it in extra innings. Tell me about heartbreak. Twice. 97 and 2016. 
I mean, how about uh, what else we got? How about you have an NBA Finals caliber winning team that has not one but two of their superstars taken away? Yes. How about that? One on a non-basketball play. How about having how about having a three to one lead against your Boston Celtics in the ALCS and blowing that? How about having a three to one lead against the Chicago Cubs, the most cursed franchise in all of sports, probably, and blowing that? Get the hell out of here with with the most cursed uh, sports city. Get the hell out of here. I don't want to hear it. That pissed me off the other night when I saw that. That oh, that pissed me off. Ooh, does anybody yeah. know anybody know heartbreak like Boston sports fan? Get the God, literally, I want to drop an F bomb right now. fans of every city in the United States would go to that guy and be like, "You have no self awareness." Oh, there was even Boston on None Twitter. There was even Boston fans saying, "Like, bro, I mean, yeah, okay, we've had a few times, but good God, I mean, every other year one of their teams is winning a championship. Winning a championship. We've seen one in fifty nine years. Yep. The only reason why I know that year is because it's how old my dad is." One, and it took the greatest comeback in NBA history for it to happen. Don't tell me about heartbreak. Guy fights. I actually love fights. I think it's hilarious, but he is absolutely ridiculously wrong here. Nobody knows heartbreak like Boston sports fans. Okay, <laughs> okay. I come live in Cleveland for a couple of years and, and go to and, and become a Cleveland sports fan guy. And it's not even just us. Every 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 single city has their has their own versions of heartbreak. The only reason why you guys have as much heartbreak as you do is because your teams are always in late in the playoffs or in championship series games or rounds. So yes, you are going to get the occasional heartbreak because you guys are there all the time. It's not often that you see one of their teams at the bottom of the standings. Go one in thirty-one in two football seasons, guy. Talk to me about heartbreak. Yeah, how many people would be chucking out to Foxborough, to Gillette, to watch that? Holy I'll, I'll crap! Hardly anyone. Oh my god! <laughs> the nerve of these people! Jeez! Jaded, self-centered son of a. Six Super Bowls, and this guy's gonna talk. Try and talk to me about heartbreak. Holy smokes! Jeez, isn't it only five? Six. It's six. Brady has seven. He won six with the Patriots. One with, uh, one with the Bucks. His first Super Bowl. Thirty-six, thirty-eight, thirty-nine, forty-nine, fifty-one. It's sixty. Yeah, it's six. So, anyway, thanks, Pete Carroll. Yeah. Uh, the <laughs> don't call a running play on on, on on second and goal from the two when you have when you have beast mode as a running back. Ugh. Anyway, NBA playoffs. What do you What are your thoughts so far? I have never been. Oh, more... also, the first game, the, the the only game that I didn't uh, highlight uh, last night, the Lakers go into Golden State and take Game One uh, last night. Um, so they're up one nothing. I'll just say that I didn't have much of a clue 
about any of this. Uh, pretty much all of my predictions went to complete rust in <laughs> round one, uh, as evident by the fact that you know we didn't do the f- we didn't do the full bracket prediction at the start of the playoffs. But it, had we done so, and I told Dan this on text, and this is true, Milwaukee versus Memphis would have been my NBA Finals, and they are, <laughs> and they are both out in round one, a one seed and a two seed. Wow. I mean, usually one seeds and two seeds never, ever lose <coughs> in the NBA playoffs. And we had one of each go down. Okay, this year. I, I want to ask you this question because this is probably the first time in a long ass time that we've had this. Bigger disappointment slash choke job. The Boston Bruins in the in the uh NHL playoffs this year being the one seed and losing to the eight, or the Milwaukee Bucks in the NBA? Definitely the Bruins. You think so? Yes. Milwaukee, I feel like only lost that series because they lost Giannis Antetokounmpo for three games. True. I I really don't. Now, was it bad that when he came back they still lost Game Five at home? Yes. Yeah. But I don't know how much the mental side of it was at that point with them being down three one. So, but but yeah, I don't think the Bruins had nearly as much of a built in excuse as that. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I, I think I think the only thing for me with hockey is. Hockey is hockey is mainly two things in the playoffs. It's the bounce of the puck and do you have a hot goalie? It's almost like for me, seeding really doesn't even matter. I feel like if you get to the playoffs, any team can beat any team. It is much more of a thing to have big upsets. I'll say the talent in the NBA, the talent gap generally between one and eight is Way farther than in way the NHL. further. Yes, the the talent level, it, the gap is not nearly as big in the NHL and in the Stanley Cup playoffs. You see fives, six, sevens win all the time. I don't know if you see eights win all that often, but you know, yeah. you, you do see that quite commonly. Yeah, and it's it's really it's just, interesting. We're seeing it more common in the NBA this year. We've we had we had a six beat a three, we had a seven beat a two, we had an eight beat a one. I can't remember a year where we've ever seen a six, seven, and an eight. All yeah. in round one. I yeah. I'm, I can't think of a time. I mean, you see fives beat fours all the time, but not necessarily in the fashion that the Knicks beat the Cavs. Not in five games. No. 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 I, I mean, mean four four versus fives are usually knockdown drag out series that go the distance. Generally, yes. Um, but it, not not us because we laid down like like you know puppies. But anyway. Yeah, we don't need to rehash any more of that. Um, do you? After the Lakers took game one last night, do you think the Lakers can beat the Warriors? No. No? I must be the biggest still Lakers going, hater you're in still, the world. You're still going with your anti- I Like, maybe I'm – because I thought Memphis was going to beat them, and then when this series came up, I was like, oh, the Warriors are going to make them look easy. And, yeah. again, the Lakers land the first blow in game one. and See, I, I, just, I would be more on board with you in this series. I just I go back to the first round series. LeBron doesn't lose in first rounds. That's that's essentially the reason why I picked the Lakers. He just doesn't lose in the first round. And then Dylan Brooks had to go, you know, spout his mouth off. Uh, and that was, was the end. He of was it. just a complete a hole. I mean, he, that was the kiss of death. Yeah. And then the and the Grizzlies have already told him, yeah, we're not bringing you back next year. As well, they should. <laughs> I mean, but um, I. I I think before the series started, I took the Warriors, and I think I took the Warriors in seven because they they have home court advantage, so they would be at home in a game seven. You were probably not figuring that they were going to lose game one. Yeah, um, 
To be fair. Would I still probably pick the Warriors? Yeah. But I definitely think that the Lakers uh, have a have a very good chance of winning the series now. And if they do, let me just put it this way. If the Lakers get past the Warriors, as crazy as this might sound, I think the Lakers are going to win the title. I thought you were going to say go to the finals, which I would have agreed with. But oh, if they the get title, to the if they, if they get to the finals, uh, I think it's if they get to the finals, I don't think either Boston or Philly can beat the Lakers in a seven game series. So basically, you think this is the round then? If the Lakers get past this round, they're home yeah, free. Could be. Although I will say with one caveat, the Nuggets look really freaking good right now. And the funny thing is, is out of the Lakers' perspective matchups, I feel like the Nuggets are the team that would be most likely to fold like a house of cards. True. I mean, yeah, they, even though they, they're the number yeah, one seed, they. I mean, they've you know? <laughs> they've shown the propensity to do that in the last few years. But again, I know nothing here, folks. Like I just going yeah. into listen, it, going into listen, this round. It's... Listen, none of us do. I mean, I, the only reason why I sound a, a little bit uh, more informed than you do is because I had the had, had the the Cuyones to pick the Lakers to beat the 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 Grizzlies in the first round. I mean, I, I, nobody picked. Nobody was going to pick the Heat to beat the. Not even people in Miami. No, nobody. Nobody listen, was picking the Heat. Listen, not even people in Miami because they don't even care about the Heat. So nobody was picking the Heat to beat the Bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I. You were probably in the majority thinking the Grizzlies were going to beat the Lakers. Only a small majority, though. There were quite a few folks that were on. The now Lakers. I will say, I will say that I that I think the worst, even though they had a great season with. Uh, the Kings, I think the most weirdly seeded series in the first round was the Kings Warriors. Oh, without a doubt. And credit to the Kings, they 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 literally gave the Warriors all they could handle. Literally, it was wild too because the Kings won. The Kings won the first two. The Warriors won the first, the next three, going up three two with winning Game Five in Sacramento. And I thought, oh, that that's it. The Kings are going to get blown out Goodbye. in Game Six. The Kings came back and won Game Six in Golden State. Forcing the Warriors to have to go on the road in a Game Seven to to beat them, and it took a historical Game Seven performance from Steph Curry to do it. I mean, granted, it's a very that short... was an all time first round series. It really all was. Time. It was fantastic. It yeah. was two local rivals again. You were talking about going on the road. I mean, it's a short trip, but still some very hostile environments for sure. Yeah, and you know, for to have a series go the distance like that, it was absolutely what NBA playoff basketball could and should be. Yeah. Quite frankly. All right, so who do we think are who do we think are going to play in the conference finals? Well, like I said before, I think the Warriors. Um I would have picked Denver just cuz I was never really high on Phoenix from the very beginning. Phoenix has a lot of the same issues the Cavs had, but they have more higher end talent. Phoenix has no bench. Phoenix's bench Not... scored 4 points in game 2. 4. That's about as bad as it gets. No bench. So I agree with you. Even even though I mean it's kind of easy to pick because uh, they're up two zero now. Although we'll see what happens when, when they go back to Phoenix. Home court can be the great equalizer, especially when you're looking for bench scoring. Um, I I do I do agree with you. I like Denver, but I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Lakers. I think Denver Lakers. I <sighs> curse me. I, I curse can't me argue for, too much for not going you. against LeBron. I just you know? LeBron AD's healthy and he was a monster last night. Quite frankly, I'd 20, rather have he had twenty three rebounds last night. That's a lot. Yeah. So yeah, I I got I got Denver and LA. What do you think about the East? Uh so f- as far as the East goes, I'm 
I'm kind of liking Miami, although that is somewhat. I do too. That it, is it's predicated on dependent. Jimmy Butler's health. Yeah, that, if Jimmy Butler yeah. is hurt, it's not going to happen. But right. and that would be injuries giveth injuries taketh away for Miami if if it were yeah. to play out that way. But uh, yeah, if Miami is is if right. they've got all their guys and they're healthy, I think they do it. I really do. And then the other series. See, my head is saying Boston. But at this point, I just don't care, and I would rather just you know root for teams. So why not? I mean, I I'll roll with Joel and beat in Philly. I mean, at this point, I'm rolling with them to hopefully win the title. I I would I would really love to see that. Um, to now with you, now the the if I wanted the, to be the smart Alec, I would say Philly would get to the finals and then lose, just like all their other teams have done in the last <laughs> five months. Yeah. But for for them to finally put it together. For Philly to win the title, and for Joel Embiid, who is from my wife's hometown, Yaounde Cameroon, to yep. to uh, he is playing win tonight. that thing and ultimately be Finals MVP. That would be like the the outcome I would like to see best. And at this point, I'm predicting it because I don't care. Right. <laughs> Everything else has gone to dust at this point. So right there, you go. I mean, if, I do agree that it's probably going to be the Lakers Warriors winner out west. That's going to. Uh, be in the final, so I guess I'm counting on the Golden State. The which Warriors is it? Is the Philadelphia Warriors or the, the Golden State Warriors? <laughs> you know, getting old school on this one, but uh, yeah, I uh, I'm gonna go with Boston. I just <sighs> the track record definitely suggests Boston. Harden had an all-time game in Game One and stole Game One in Boston, so that really impact. If if Boston was up one nothing right now and they're up by ten right now, beginning of the second quarter. So, I yeah, they'll probably win game two. I mean, that's not that doesn't mean they're going to go on and win this game, but they're playing better than they did in game one. Um, I even though Harden had an all time playoff game, how many times does that guy have a good game in the playoffs and then have three clunkers in a row? Hopefully, for Philly's sake, it won't be three in a row. I mean, yeah. you could have one tonight. Well, see, yeah, that happens. Series is over. Not be any damaging, yeah. but yeah. Um. Boy, as, 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 uh, being a uh, rooting for a small, uh, a small medium ish market in the NBA, it really pains for me to say this. I'm, I'm picking the Lakers out of the West and I'm picking the Celtics out of the East. Well, I'm sure, oh, the league, I'm that. sure the league would love that because, oh, love you know, it. those are their two cash cow franchises. Yeah, you know, one's got yeah. 17 championships you know, LeBron, and the LeBron, other's got 16. LeBron's never played Boston in, in the playoffs, or, I mean, in the finals. In the finals because he's always been in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. So LeBron against the Celtics in the finals. Played the Celtics in the conference finals a couple times. Yeah, he did. Most recently, 2018. Yeah. So, all right. Well. Hold on. Has LeBron ever lost a playoffs? Well, he's lost one playoff series against Boston ever, I think. Yeah, it was the 2010, 2010 semis. semis where you just where he quit. Took yeah, game five where his, <laughs> you know, he he shot free throws left-handed. That game was basically the the going back in time, thirteen years was basically the same game as as game five of this year's series. God, where the Cavs years. were just down the entire game and they just looked like they didn't give a rat's rear. Thirteen years. That's crazy. Yeah, how in the world? Seriously? Wow. Man. Hmm. All right. Well, uh, that I think is gonna do it for us on this episode of Flipping Off the Land. Oh, actually, you've got some family news 
would you like to announce? Uh, yeah. So Some this is big family news. This is highly interesting. This is a, such a fascinating story. So my brother Matthew and his girlfriend Veronica, they have been traveling the world. They both basically just said fooey to the real real and fooey to Elon Musk and Tesla. And they've been going on what they call a young adult retirement for a year. And so they've been to New Zealand, to Australia, to Thailand, to Japan. And then this last month, they've been over in Europe. They went to France, Switzerland, uh, Portugal. And now when they got to Lisbon, Portugal, they decided to do something that um, is actually somewhat of a Christian pilgrimage. They got on bikes and they rode 340 miles oh my from God. Lisbon, Portugal. Now, actually about halfway through, they got to Porto, Portugal, and Veronica's parents actually joined them for the second half of the oh, wow. ride from Porto, Portugal to Santiago de Compostela, Spain. Was that uh, is, was that orchestrated by Matthew because of the because uh, of the proposal? Uh so I'm getting, well probably. Yeah. Uh but so Probably yes and probably no, because it was probably just a very convenient moment because Santiago de Compostela, Spain, is the burial place of St. James, Mm. and it is the end point of a Christian pilgrimage, of which name I can't remember right now, but there's many routes to get there. The most typical routes followed starting either Bordeaux, France, or Pamplona, Spain, and they end up... People end up walking on foot or taking bikes across northern Spain to Santiago de Compostela. Now, they started in Lisbon and came up from the south in this case. So when they get there, finally, I don't even want to know how tired and how much their butts were hurting them from being <laughs> on those nasty bike seats for that long. Yeah. But um, they get there. Matthew pulls out his guitar, and he's you know doing a little serenade to Veronica underneath some ornate you know older spanish building and sure enough he drops to one knee pulls out a ring and asks veronica to marry him to which she just goes absolutely bonkers says yes and sure enough they are now engaged it's fantastic which we all kind of figured was going to happen at some point on this trip but they do it there which was one of the top places on the trip to be able to do it uh, after completing that uh, pilgrimage, so now I am tasked with trying to upstage my brother's effort when he was my best man. Unless if he somehow doesn't want to pick me to be his best <laughs> man, but but uh, I would be willing to bet that he probably yeah. will. So yeah, so that's in my future. But yeah. uh, definitely hope I put on as good of a show as he did for me. So yeah, you got you got your work cut out for you. I mean, I certainly do, what, do. What do you do for what do you do for a kid for a bachelor party that's basically seen the whole world in the last year no kidding right like do i just like give him a really boring place like lorraine no i'm just kidding <laughs> 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 sorry him, that was a bit of a low blow take, um, him, take him to christie's in brunswick i don't know about all that but uh anyway anyway yes so that has happened and they're going to celebrate by going to Croatia and mm. Albania later this month. Ah, with the, the, the fighting per, donkeys. The parental units are actually going to be flying across the Atlantic to join them. Oh, really? Them. Yes. They leave nice. March. No, they leave May 18th. And they'll Mike be over and there MB. for about 
three weeks, I believe, they're going to be over there. Oh, wow. They're going to be in Dubrovnik and Duras and Tirana and a bunch of other places. So, Is that is that uh, the first time your dad's gone to Albania? Uh, oh, boy. I uh, I think so. Yeah. Other members of his family have been there, but I don't think he has. Yeah. So oh, that'll be fun. I so wish I could just stow away and go with oh, him, quite I know. frankly. I'm, I'm like I, – I, I haven't gone on an international trip in six years, and I'm like – I'm itching for it. I like I you have no idea how badly I want to plan a trip to Italy. No idea. But there is an Olympics coming up that's going to be in Milan. Yeah, but I don't want to go for the Olympics. That's mm. just yeah. I want to go there when like nothing's there. Oh, so like summertime. I want to go I want to go like I don't want to go when there's I don't want to go to Italy when there's a crap ton of tourists there. Oh, like for I the see. Olympics. Yeah. yeah. Where everything where a bunch of things are shut down to accommodate No, I want to go I want to go experience Italy. There's always going to be tourists, right? Yeah. In all the major cities in a country, there's always going to be tourists. But I want to go experience it when, like, there's nothing going on. If you're going to Europe, when's the best time to go, you think? I don't know. When flights are the cheapest? <laughs> I don't know. That'd probably be, like, middle spring or middle fall, Yeah, probably. When's the weather nicest over there? Is it similar to here? Well, most of the continent, yes. And I mean, if you if you're in like the British Isles, it'd be probably just like how it is now for most of the year. Uh, but if you're talking about Italy, yeah, I mean, you're probably talking like you know June or September here most yeah. of the time. Unless yeah. you're in the south, and it might be more like July. Yeah. But uh, so, okay. Uh, well, anyway, so congratulations to Matthew and Veronica. Uh, that is great news. Uh, can't wait to uh, to celebrate them uh, when the time comes, when they're back from their pilgrimage. So, yeah, that's going to do it for us on this episode of Living Off the Land, number 256. You can follow us on social media. At Stiffs McGee. At Daniel J. Ford. And you can follow the show at the LOTL podcast. And uh, we will catch you guys next week. Uh, have a good week. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you, uh, we'll see you later. Bye.